Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to have you with me this week. Uh, we are starting a new conversation. Uh, we are going to begin working our way through uh, the letter of James. And uh, I have been studying this letter for a little bit now, and I'm loving the, um, just loving it. And so we're going to spend some time walking through this together. And uh, yeah, let's see. Um, announcement-y kind of stuff. Uh, Tuesday night, 8 o'clock, down tap. Uh, come be a part of that conversation this week at Down on Tap. We are uh, going to be uh, discussing the question of kindness. Is the world actually getting more unkind, or you know, are there just kind of some loud, unkind voices that shape everybody's perspective on what kind of kindness there is? Uh, so Tuesday night, eight o'clock, uh, we are going to be at the uh, on the patio of the Gorman family, and uh, you can check out the event at facebook.com/simpletheologian. Get all of those details. Uh, you can get the address, all that good stuff. Um, so down and tap Tuesday night. Hope you will come out for it. And uh, yeah, I, I think. I mean, I think that's the big the big thing Thursday. Afternoon, uh, we'll go live again with Beyond Sunday School, looking at our second installment there. And uh, so hope, hopefully you can uh, be a part of that conversation uh, with me as well. And uh, so let's, let's get after it, shall we? Uh, the letter of James. Uh, this, is, uh, this is an early, it's an early letter, guys. Uh, it's really early. And... Um, so you can uh, you can kind of know with this one. Uh, I am, uh, yeah. That we are we are kind of tapping into uh, some some early Christian thought, right? Uh, in James chapter two, he goes he goes after it with with Paul. Um, so most people think that this letter was written before Acts 15, which is what's known as the Jerusalem Council. And uh, so you can read about that there. Uh, but it was at that council that uh, Paul and James in particular kind of had some some pretty high-level conversations, discussions about what does it look like for Gentiles to come to the church and what is the nature of the gospel and all kinds of other good stuff. Um, and so they, they get into that there. Uh, and... And so it's interesting is with this being pretty early, this this letter, it reads different. It hits a little different. It doesn't have the same uh, kind of maybe polish that you would uh, expect, um, especially compared to like uh, the letters from Paul and uh, and even and even the even the stuff written by John, uh, because this is. This is just so early, and James here, uh, tradition holds that this was the brother of Jesus. Um, there's some there's some discussion in the scholarly literature that uh, that it's it could be a different James, but none of it none of it's all that convincing to me. And uh, so, yeah, it probably makes sense that this was this was James, uh, Jesus's brother. And think about it. 
you know, when Jesus was alive, James kind of thought Jesus was a wackadoo. Uh, he and Mary and the rest of the clan showed up, you know, one time and were like, yo, you need to come home because you've, you've lost it. And uh, so something happened that changed James's whole perspective. And that, that thing is, uh, is the resurrection, right? The crucifixion and resurrection changed James's life. So he ends up becoming uh, a lead, the kind of the key leader in the Jerusalem church. Um, and so, uh, so you have to understand James here is he's writing to, to Jewish Christians, um, you know, who, I mean, early on in the history of, of Christianity, I mean, that's Jewish and Christian were, were kind of synonymous, right? Um, there was just no, uh, there was really no separation. And, uh, if you were a Christian, you were probably Jewish. Paul, Paul's ministry expanded that out into the Gentiles and, uh, and you know, that, that kind of changed things. But, uh, what's so cool about James's letter is that every kind of every section stands on its own. Uh, this really feels like a pastor who is just writing, kind of pouring his heart out to his congregation, to to the people that he wanted to to really shape and grow in their faith, and and really try to help uh, shape their identity. And so James, uh, a lot of people call it. Uh, kind of new the New Testament proverbs, right? I mean, it is just it's just boom, 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 one right after another of hey, this, that, the other thing. Uh, now, uh, understand too that uh, James is writing to some people who are going through some hard stuff. Uh, their their lives weren't easy, and um, he probably when this was written. Uh, it was probably written during a famine uh, in Judea. And so you have people who are struggling, who are really, really going through some significant hardships, some significantly difficult times. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of where we, where we pick this up, right? He says, James, this is, uh, we're going to be in chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Uh, it goes like this, says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. James doesn't pull any punches. Uh, one of the great things, though, about James is he is—he's always painting with these word pictures, right? He—he he may be more than any other New Testament writer. Um, he paints these pictures and these images that just kind of catch—at least catch my imagination. They—they uh, they bring, they, they flood uh, these images into your mind as you as you're reading through uh, what's going on here. You know, James, James opens up this letter um, with, 
you know, just, he just rolls, right? And he starts with what feels like platitudes. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Man, when you are going through hard things, is that what you want somebody to say to you? Heck no. No, not at all. And so if you're, if you're listening to this um, or watching this and you're walking through like, uh, you know, some significant hard time and you're hearing me say, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, you know, realize that what James is doing here is he is trying to prepare people to suffer well. And, and he's also trying to give them some perspective on the other side of their suffering, right? You see, so often when we are going through suffering, hardship, pain, we really don't think God cares about us. We feel like God has abandoned us. I mean, don't you? I do. When I've walked through the hard times in my life, that the struggles in my faith, I, I, I question, where is God? Why, why isn't God the all-powerful, the almighty, the all-knowing, the all-good God doing something? I question that. I wrestle with it. I struggle. And the last thing I wanted, that, that I want when I'm walking through hard times, is for somebody to look at me and say, dude, consider it joy. This is so awesome that you're going through this trial. I don't want to hear that. And so if you're if you're tuning in and you're walking through something hard, hear me. You know, that's not that's not what I want to say to you um, when you're in the midst of the struggle. But if you're on the other side of the struggle, if you're on the other side of the trial, of the pain, of the heartache, or if you're you know, you haven't hit one yet, this is the kind of idea that prepares us to suffer well. This is the kind of idea that allows us to look back and gain some perspective. You see, so often we're going through hard things and we question whether or not God is, is present, whether or not God is there with us. It can be really hard to see God. But we get a little bit of perspective. We get to the other side and we look back and we go, oh man, I just, I can't believe. I can't believe how God carried me through that. Right. And so, so when we are, and so what happens is we get to the other side of, of these trials, these struggles. We realize all the good that has come from them. And as a result of that, we are able to declare hey, it's, it was, it's joy. It's joy. And, and we don't, we don't get that until we get to the other side. We don't often we don't get that till we get a little bit of perspective, till we can see, um, till we can see how God has redeemed that hardship, that pain, that struggle. Now he uses the word trial here, and uh, and James throughout kind of goes between trials and temptations and, and and what's what's happening here. Well, this word trial can it can either mean you know, your internal struggles, or it can point to external struggles. Now, James is really intentional with the way he uses his words. And so I really think, uh, you know, what we're talking about here are external 
external suffering, external struggles, things that we don't have any control over. I don't know, maybe something like, say, a global pandemic that, that we don't, we can't stop it. We can't, we can't figure it out. It's not up to us to control. And so when we go through hard times, when we go through things that are on the out, you know, that, that we can't control, um, we need to know, you know, we want to know, is there purpose in this? Is there a good reason in this? Is there something to it? And James says, yeah, yeah. What happens is when you go through the trials of life, when you go through the struggles, then then your faith gets tested and it produces perseverance. And in uh, this perseverance will bring you to maturity. Now, when you're going through it, you don't want to hear that. But before you go through it or after you go through it, you're able to look back and you, and you get a little perspective. You go, oh, yeah, okay, I see, I see that. The most mature people that I know, kind of the most like, whole people that I know, they've gone through significant, significant pain, significant struggle, significant heartache. And there's just something about them. They can bear up underneath uh, any, any kind of weight, right? And that's, and that's what uh, this word here, perseverance, uh, it, it really points to this idea of carrying a heavy burden carrying it on your back, holding it up, you know, uh, really, really developing and growing in strength because you're carrying this heavy burden. See, when we go through tests, when we go through the trials of life, they are there to prune us. They, they happen and, and they help us grow up. They help us to become more mature, more complete as human beings, they really, at the end of the day, help us to flourish. You know, I think through, think back to uh, the movie, The Matrix, right? And, uh, and there's the scene in it where Neo, the main character, is, uh, you know, is, is, is talking with, uh, with, talking about the history of the matrix and how it came about and what did the, uh, you know, kind of what did this, this alien race or whatever do. And in the first time they he said, the first time they created the matrix, they made it without any pain, no suffering. And people got, people knew there was something wrong because there was no pain. There was no suffering. There was no hardship. You see, we are, we are kind of wired for that. We're kind of wired to, to engage in some of this hardship because it's what grows us up. It's what makes us, mature. It's what brings us to a place of strength, of being able, of being able to grow and, and really flourish. And I know we don't want to think about it like that, um, but James, James here is like, yo, the hard stuff, the hard stuff, it will produce joy because it brings you to a place of flourishing it's like any other kind of pruning. When we prune plants, they produce more fruit. When, when we prune things, they get stronger. They get better. And that's what happens with us. So, and so James says, when you are going through a trial, count it 
as joy. Count as joy because you know on the other side, you you are going to be stronger for it. It's going to be it's going to be better. And so he says, you know, he keeps going here in verse five, right? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So what what's he what's saying here? Because doubt, you know, doubt is I, I think it's I think it's part of faith. I think if you have faith, you have doubt. Uh, they they kind of walk hand in hand together. Our doubt is part and parcel with our faith, and it is not a bad thing. It is not something for us to run away from. But here's the deal. What James is saying is that God's promise to give you wisdom. If you ask for wisdom, if you want wisdom, yeah, God's going to give it to you. He promises that. And so if you ask for it, then you need to move forward as though you have it. Right? He says, you know, uh, verse 8, such a person who, 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 who doubts whether or not they have wisdom is double-minded. Dysakos is the name. James invents this word. It's not, it's not found anywhere else. Um, dysakos. You know, so apparently, yeah, so psycho is good. Uh, just don't be dysycho. That's uh, kind of what James is saying here. And, uh, you know, don't have, don't have two minds, Right? I mean, if he's saying God is going to give you wisdom, trust it. Trust, trust that you actually have the wisdom that you've asked for. Believe it. You actually can trust, in a sense, what James is saying. You can trust your gut. You don't have to constantly be, um, you know, afraid of, of what you think you should do or how you think you should move forward. You can trust yourself a little bit. Why? Well, because God has promised to give you wisdom. And so our job then is to just trust that we have wisdom and we move forward. So often we know, we know what we're supposed to do. We know how we're supposed to act. We know how we're supposed to respond. So what do, so, but then we, we sit there and we struggle and back and forth and, ask for a million and one, uh, you know, people to give us input and advice. Guys, we don't need to do all of that, right? You can actually trust. You can trust yourself and make a good decision if you've asked God to give you wisdom. He's made that promise. And James says, trust it. Don't doubt. Trust that God will provide this wisdom for you. And, and I think that's one of the other things that's so interesting is when we come out the other side of pain and struggle, we have grown so much in our wisdom. The, the people, I mean, think about somebody. Think about somebody you know who is wise, who you consider to just be, just be full of wisdom. The person that you go and you're like, hey, help me out here. I will guarantee, I'll just about guarantee you they have walked through pain and suffering and heartache and hardship, right? Because when we walk through it and we come out the other side, what, what do we know? 
well, we know more. We, we grow in our wisdom. We become more mature. We become complete. And so if we want to be somebody who is wise, we have to walk through the struggle. We have to walk through the trial. And so when we're walking through the struggle, we're walking through the pain, we're walking through the hardship, we can count it joy because we know on the other side, we're going to have grown in wisdom. We're going to have, we're going to have become more complete. On the other side, we'll be stronger. You see, uh, that's, that's why when we walk through the test, we're able to count it all joy. There's this great, there's this great song called Almost Maybes. Um, and it's kind of in that same, uh, that same kind of thing as, uh, you know, Unanswered Prayers by Garth Brooks or, um, yeah, you know, it's that, it's that same idea. But he's like, hey, if it weren't for the almost maybes, think about all the great things that we wouldn't have, all the great songs, you know, all the poetry, all the art, all the beauty. Sometimes those almost maybes, sometimes those heartaches, sometimes that hardship is necessary to grow in wisdom, to grow in strength, to grow in maturity, to become more complete. We got to walk through it. And so if we're going to walk through it, let's try to get some perspective. Let's try to understand what, what we're getting out of it. We're getting joy. We're getting maturity. We're getting strength. We're gaining wisdom. And all of that brings us to this place of a greater sense of human flourishing, a greater sense of becoming the best version of ourselves. Who wouldn't want that? I'm not saying we go out and we go looking for, for suffering and, and trying to bring that on ourselves. That's not, that's not at all it. But part of living in this world is that we're going to go through hard things. And if we're going to go through hard things, man, let's, 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 get, let's try to get the perspective. So here's, here's what I want you to do. Here's my challenge for you this week. I want you to go back and I want you to think about a time when you went through, when you went through a trial, when you went through a time of suffering, when you went through a time of hardship. Okay. And, and then I want you to, to see now that you're removed from it, what were the good things that came out of that? What did you learn? How did you change? How did you grow in wisdom? How did you get stronger? How did you become a better person as a result of the hard thing that you walked through? You know, for me, um, I think back to, uh, you know, my, when my Mimi died, uh, I had just spent the summer on a mission trip. I was on the ultimate spiritual high. I was, man, I was on the mountaintop. I had, I was experiencing God. It seemed like everything that I touched, everything that I was a part of was just infused with Godness, right? It was just infused with spiritual power, spiritual everything. I saw, I saw the spirit of God everywhere. It was, um, I was just consumed with it, with him. And the, it was almost tangible, the presence of God. I'd only been home for a little while, maybe a week or two. And 
And I was sitting at Ramshorn with my friends. We had been gone up north uh, at, at my aunt, uh, Aunt Bernie's cabin with family. And, um, and it was a great time. But now I was home catching up with my friends. And, uh, you know, my buddy Joe came running in. Hey, your mom needs you home now. Your mom needs you home right now. We didn't have cell phones back, back in those days. And uh, somehow she had tracked him down. And so he came, set me home. I was a little freaked out, showed up. There's all these people. And, and that, was where, that was where I found out. And that was losing her was, was one of the hardest things I've ever walked through. And it was unbelievably painful. It was, it was horrific. And, and so walking through that pain was, I didn't, I didn't understand, you know, I just done this good thing for God all summer. I'd sacrificed my time all summer and God did this. I tested my faith. Looking back, I see how, you know, God was gracious and kind, uh, I guess, in some sense to, to, to my meaning, because she, she didn't want to suffer. She didn't want to, you know, be, be stuck in some uh, nursing home, that kind of thing. Nah, she wanted, she wanted to live life to the full, and that's, and that's what she was doing. She was living life to the absolute full, to the moment that she died. And I think about our family and how that moment drew us together. Uh, it, it brought all of us together, aunts, uncles, cousins, uh, in, a, in an amazing way. Um, and there are so many other things. It taught me how to grieve. It taught me, uh, you know, it taught, it just taught that moment, though horrible and awful. Um, you know, 20 years later, 25 years later now, it's... Um, I see, I can see the good that has come out of it. So that's, that's my challenge to you. Look back on the hardship, look back on the pain and, and then try to cattle, sit in it, but then try to catalog, try to understand what were the good things? What was the joy? Um, what was the, what were the things that, that came out of it because you persevered? How have you grown more wise? Okay. Uh, because sometimes the almost maybes, uh, they, they're worth it. They're worth it. All right, my friends. Um, want to uh, wanna encourage you, give me a follow on Twitter, and uh, let's continue the conversation. Subscribe uh, to LoveWell, DanielMRose.com. Drop, uh, drop your email address in there. I am doing daily devotionals Monday through Friday called the Knee Jerk Devotional. It, People seem to like them. Maybe you will too. So subscribe there. It gets dropped right into your inbox. Uh, you can find the archive of this video. It'll be up at youtube.com slash Daniel Rose. And, um, you know, as always, uh, until next time, love well, my friends.